Amen. Amen. Let's turn to our professional reading. Lord's Day 52. Lord's Day 52. The last three question and answers of our catechism. That's page 896 in the back of the Trinity Psalter. It's page 257 in the smaller forms of prayers. 257 in the forms of prayers, 896 in the back of the Trinity Psalters. And uh, we'll uh, read the three question and answers. The first one's a little bit longer, but I think we can still uh, stay together. So I'll ask the questions, let's say, uh, each of the answers together. Beginning with question 127. What does the sixth petition of the Lord's Prayer mean? And believe us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil means. We are so weak that we cannot stand on our own for a moment. And God has sworn enemies, the devil, the world, and our own flesh, never stop attacking us. And so, So we'll read verses 1 to 10. We'll make a couple of references to the first five verses. We'll focus on verses 6 to 10 today. Uh, but our reading again begins at verse 1. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. In uh, many of the blue ESV Bibles, that is page 1264. 
1 Timothy 4, beginning at verse 1. Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons, through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive, because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. So far the reading, the grass withers, the flower fades, the word of our Lord endures forever. Dear congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, in those first five verses, now, the Apostle Paul uh, makes it clear that the physical things which God has made are still, in a sense, good, even after the fall. There should not be this radical dualism between spiritual things and physical things. Rather, receive them all with thanksgiving. Again, those who were here uh, two weeks ago, that was our text, that was our focus. Well, now as we move into our text today, uh, the Apostle Paul uh, warns and calls the young minister Timothy to, to be on guard against this, to teach the brothers concerning these things. He says that at the beginning of verse 6. Uh, but then he also moves on. And it's as though, in the first five verses, the apostle says, body and spirit don't make a radical dualism between the two of them. They're, they're both good. They're both created by God. But now, he's saying in verses 6 to 10, they are not good in the same way. They are not good to the same degree. They are both good, but spiritual training is of far superior value over bodily training. So, yes, they're both good. Receive everything with thanksgiving, but know that one is good in a superior way. Spiritual things are to be put before us in, with a special charge. And so our theme from the text this morning is this, increase in spiritual strength through spiritual training. And we're going to look first at the call to spiritual training, and then at other forms of training, and then at the purpose of spiritual training. Well, we begin with uh, verse 6 and then into verse 7, Three steps of training for Timothy that the Apostle lays out 
the first one is a little bit difficult to, to see, uh, partly because this is, a, this is one place where I much prefer the NIV and the Old King James over the ESV. The word for uh, training in, or trained in, being trained in, uh, in the ESV, the uh, NIV translates that brought up in, uh, but then it's also a verb that's connected to the idea of nourishment. So the old King James translated it this way, uh, to that you have been nourished in. That you have been nourished in. And I think those are better translations, especially since we have the word train and training in verses 7 and 8, and there it's tied to a different word. It's tied to a word that's related more to physical training as an illustration. Uh, and so uh, I, I appreciate how the NIV and, and the King James capture that passive sense of this is what you were nourished up in, this is what you were brought up in, and, uh, and distinguish it from, from the verb of verses 7 and 8. And, and so what's, what's then the first step? Well, this, this first step is referring to what Timothy was raised in. Uh, at this point, we, we might uh, glance over just a page to 2 Timothy 1, verse 5. Where the Apostle Paul says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. Uh, this is reference to the fact that Timothy has been nourished up in the faith. That's the middle of verse 6. That's the first step of his spiritual formation. The second step is this. It's the end of verse 6. This is... Uh, the faith, the good doctrine that you have followed. So step one is what you're brought up in. It's what you're nourished in. Step two, you now follow in this. Uh, and we could again turn to, to 2 Timothy chapter 1. And now we can look at verse 13 where the apostle says, Follow the pattern of the sound words you have heard from me and the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Uh, the uh, putting these first two steps together and building off of that image of, of being nourished up in the faith. Uh, John Calvin once paraphrased verse 6 in this way. It says, though the Apostle Paul is reminding Timothy that he has been, quote, from infancy properly instructed in the faith, and so to speak, has sucked along with the milk of spiritual doctrine and has made continual progress. This is what you are brought up in. This is what you are following. This is something to rejoice in. These are two good steps. And now there's the third step. We're going to look at this more in our second point. Uh, but the third step is, is both verses 7 to 10. It's the call to continue in diligent training. And now the word for training is, is a word tied to physical training, that idea of, of putting muscles to use. And so the full picture is this. You are brought up in the faith. You are following the faith. And this is exactly what you must continue to train in, into the future. And then at this point, let us observe that while this is a specific instruction from the apostle to one young minister, it is not only the minister who is called to this spiritual training, into this life. Uh, no, the uh, apostle... Paul charges Timothy to this example as one, now we can take the words from chapter 2, 1 verse 5, as one following the example of his faithful mother and faithful grandmother, 
And he's doing this. Now we look ahead in chapter 4 to verse 12. He's doing this also to set an example for the whole church. Uh, chapter 4, verse 12. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. So this is a charge from the apostle to one young minister, but it relates to that which is an example Timothy has from his mother and grandmother. It relates to that which is an example for Timothy to set for the whole church. And now uh, we look at these three steps together. Uh, we see that it's something for each one of us to hear, to seek to live in, and Brothers and sisters, this, this is our prayer for our covenant children. That those raised in the faith would have these three steps. This is what they would be nourished up in. This is what they would follow. This is what they would continue to train in. And we celebrate covenant baptism today. And this is our prayer for that little one. This is our prayer for all the little ones in our church, that they would not know a time when they were not being nourished and that they were not looking to Jesus as their Savior. May this little one and may all our covenant children echo the words of the unnamed author of Psalm 71 who said, You, O Lord, are my hope. Upon you I have leaned from before my birth. Now, for others, and for some of us here, repentance and faith came later in life. But whenever we begin to repent and believe, let us never stop repenting, believing, and training in righteousness. Now, the Apostle Paul does not specifically say, do this every day. Uh, but the language of the text certainly speaks to every phase of life, your past, your present following, your, your future training that you're called to, uh, and other texts would speak explicitly about these things being tied to our everyday life. Psalm 1 uses, uses the language of day and night. Deuteronomy 6 uses the language of when you rise up and when you go down. And uh, so uh, this is the call that we have to be in and trained in and nourished up in and, and following the word of God. Uh, now there, there might be an objection. Uh, does the word of God really uh, call us to be in the word so often? Or it, it, might, it might be worded this way. Uh, is it legalistic? To say that we should always be in spiritual training. Well, brothers and sisters, before we move on to the more expanded illustration of spiritual muscles in verses 7 and following, let's go back to that word training, which again could be translated nourished in the middle of verse 6. Well, what illustration does that relate to us? It's the illustration of spiritual food. And uh, let me ask this. If somebody said, it's healthy to eat food every day, <laughs> would you ever reply by saying, what do you mean it's healthy to eat food every day? That sounds like a really legalistic thing to say. No, you would never reply like that. 
It's a healthy thing to eat our daily bread. Brothers and sisters, it is healthy to have our spiritual daily bread, which is of eternal value, which is greater, which we are charged to be nourished up in, to follow, to continue to train in. We would not consider it legalistic if someone spoke about eating three meals a day. We should not consider it legalistic if we think about going to the Word of God outside the home, inside the home, and individually. And this is our spiritual nourishment and spiritual training is something we should be ready to hear and put into practice for all of our lives. Well, let's come now to our second point, other forms of training. And uh, we, we could speak of, of many forms of training. In a sense, everything we do in our life is a kind of training, of, of forming of our mind and our body. What we do, uh, who we speak with, what we listen to, what we watch, what we read. Uh, but our text is focused on one other kind of training. And so point two could, could just be another form of training. And the contrast in the illustration, which really goes from verse 7 all the way through to verse 10, because the language of toil and stride in verse 10 is, those are verbs that can relate to athletic toiling and striding as well. Uh, the illustration that runs all the way through this is spiritual exercise uh, compared with and related to bodily exercise. And again, we have a different word for train, for training, it's even... Greek word that relates to our English word gymnasium. Uh, this, is, this is different from the word train in verse 6. The apostle does not say, uh, do not exercise. No, not at all. Uh, physical exercise is a good thing. Remember, verses 1 to 5, physical things are good when we receive them in thanksgiving and uh, when we receive them appropriately before the Lord. Uh, and so, no, the Apostle says physical exercise does have, these are his exact words, middle of verse 8, some value. <laughs> There's nothing here about, you know, forget about all the bodily things, not only focus on spiritual, that, that would be just another form of the false teaching rebuked in verses 1 to 5. But while they are both good, they are not good in the same way. Physical exercise is by far the inferior when compared to spiritual exercise, which is of great value now and for eternity. So the language of verse 8 is that godliness, spiritual exercise, is of value in every way. Well, brothers and sisters, we are in uh, family visiting season in our church family right now, as many of you know, uh, there are a few questions which the elders ask every year. One of those questions is, uh, what are you and your family, your personal and family devotions like? Well, why, why is this question asked by the elders every year? Well, there's a couple of reasons. First of all, because elders have spiritual authority. So elders should ask questions related to spiritual things. You know, a, an athletic coach might ask you about how often you run and how much lifting you did. Uh, that's because they have a certain kind of authority in the physical realm. But elders, this is, this is the authority they've been given. So they should ask questions related to this. 
Uh, but the second reason, and the reason why it's asked every year, because spiritual training is something that has eternal value. It is something we are called to. Now, we do not have a practice as uh, Dutch Reformed churches in the 1800s used to have, where if the answer is, you know, we really don't do family devotions, we don't come back two months later to ask again. Uh, no, we'll, we'll encourage, we'll come back, we'll ask again next year. Um, but I think even that old practice that the Dutch Reformed churches used to have relates to how important the call to spiritual training is. Uh, this is of eternal value. It is much better than the good but inferior bodily training. Now, let's think about this bodily training, spiritual training. It, it leads to a number of helpful illustrations. And I, I really, at this point, it was like, you know, which illustrations do I focus in on? So I'm just going to zoom in on a couple. But there's more ways that we can think about this. One of the ways we can think about this is how this teaches us something about coming to the Lord for spiritual training, even in a season of spiritual dryness, where we don't really want to train. And we can relate this to physical exercise. And this uh, this is, again, you know, family visiting. We talk about emotions quite often in family visiting. So you may have heard an illustration like this from one of our elders. Uh, I'm going to make it just a little more specific. Let's say that you're training for a 5K race. And uh, this, this is not, even this more specific version does not originate from me. But let's say that you're training for a 5K race. You know, there might be some days where, you know, you get up and you want to run. You're ready to run, you go, you get in your, your miles, and, uh, and it feels great. There's going to be other days where, you know, that 5K is on the calendar, um, so you know you really, need to, you really need to run again, but you don't want to run that day. Well, you know, your muscles are built and strengthened whether it's the day that you want to run or the day that you don't want to run. If you put in the diligent practice of going out and running even on the days you don't want to, it's still going to help your muscles just as much as the day that you, that you did want to. Brothers and sisters, spiritual training is like that sometimes. You know, we're, we're weak. We have three sworn enemies. Our own flesh is one of those enemies. We should desire and delight and see the sweetness of the word of God as that which is sweeter than honey, but we do not always. Sometimes we have a whole season of spiritual dryness where spiritual training is not the first thing or the last thing on our mind. But praise the Lord that we're strengthened finally not by ourselves, but by the power of the Holy Spirit Question answer 127. Praise the Lord, question answer 129, that God hears my prayer more surely than I feel in my heart that I desire such things from Him. In other words, praise the Lord that He hears my prayer, even when I'm not coming to the Lord in prayer the way that I should, even when I'm not desiring to pray the way I should. 
see God is gracious. In many ways, our spiritual muscles are like our physical muscles. Even when we don't want to exercise, even when we don't want to pray, the Lord can still use it to strengthen us, to bring us before the Lord, and to strengthen us in those things which have eternal value. Well, again, there's there's a number of ways we can we can we can go with this, um, but I'm just going to give one more, and this one requires a little explanation, and I think it's helpful. And this again does not originate from me. Spiritual spontaneity and wisdom springs from diligent spiritual exercise. What do we mean by that? Here, let's picture basketball dribbling drills. Okay, if you were like me, you didn't really enjoy basketball dribbling drills. And you got the cone here, you got to go around the cone. It, it's, it was such a, it was so, it was such a form practice. And you just you did these same things over and over, do this at this cone, do this at that cone, and you know, dribble in your figure eight when you're done with that, and you know, all of these things. And it was, it was, it was a drill. It was practice. I, I mean, maybe some of the, some of the guys enjoyed it, but I, I, I did. Well, sometimes again, this. This relates a little bit to our last illustration as well. Sometimes the drill of opening up God's Word, we're not going to enjoy it the way we should. We should enjoy it, but we're not always going to enjoy it the way we should. It's going to, it's going to feel like all these forms, and it's going to feel, here's another thing about that drill. Like, I'm just coming up to a cone. How is this going to be useful to me in real life? But you know what? We do it over and over and over again. You learn this move and that move. And then it finally becomes spontaneous. And in the game where things are being thrown at you in an unpredictable way, all of a sudden those things that you thrilled over and over again become <coughs> useful. You see how it's going to apply in the flow of a game. You see our spiritual training and our unpredictable life is like that. How is the drill of training in godliness going to help me. I can't always see it, and I don't always enjoy it the way I should. But by living in God's Word and drilling myself in spiritual training, I can now be ready for the unpredictable things that the game of life is going to throw at me. And I can react or willing with godly wisdom to the day-by-day -day events, trials, struggles that come my way. Again, we are weak. We cannot stand on our own for a moment. It's the language of question answer 127. We need spiritual training for our spiritual muscles. And so I'm going to leave our second point with two questions. Are your spiritual muscles being strengthened day by day? Or do you know the feeling of spiritual atrophy, like a muscle which is out of use and in need of therapy? Well, brothers and sisters, now let's come to our third point, the purpose of spiritual training. And really, the, the purpose is spoken of throughout, so this has already been sprinkled into our sermon, but now we're going to look directly at the purposes of spiritual training. And the first purpose 
is to stand against false doctrine. So we go back to the beginning of verse 6, put these things before the brothers. There needs to be a certain level of spiritual discernment uh, for Timothy to see the false teaching and also to lay it out before the brothers and sisters. This is false. We must all be on guard against this. Uh, it is uh, it is uh, a great joy to hear the word of the Lord to say yes and amen. It, it takes a certain level of spiritual training and spiritual discernment to hear false teaching and to say, uh, wait, God's word doesn't take me there. Uh, it, it takes it takes this extra level of putting the spiritual muscles into use and having them built up. Uh, and so uh, Timothy is to put these things before the brothers and they all be on guard against false teachings. Have nothing to do, here's the language of verse 7, with irreverent silly myths. That could be a reference back to the false teaching verses 1 to 5, or with the word myths, it could also be taking us back to the language of chapter 1, verses 3 to 5. As I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain in Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies, remote speculation, rather than the stewardship of God that is by faith. And so we might say it this way the negative purpose is to uh, be on guard against false doctrines. Uh, there's also a positive purpose of spiritual training. And this is, we see especially in verse 10 and in verse 8. Uh, verse 8 uses the, the language of godliness. You're training in godliness, which has this eternal purpose. It, 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 it drives us to eternity. It's that which we will have for eternity, not just for this life. And then we have the language of hope in verse 10. Spiritual training relates to setting surely our hope on the living God. God who is kind to all persons. He is in, in this sense the Savior of all persons. That word Savior is used in a lot of different ways in the Old and New Testaments. We might think of uh, the judges in the book of Judges being called Saviors uh, and all of those kinds of things. Well how is God a Savior to all men? Uh, the I'd say the simplest place that's related to us is in Matthew chapter 5, where God speaks about how rain falls on the just and the unjust. No man would live, no man would have their breath sustained to tomorrow apart from God. Their lives are literally saved by God every day, whether they acknowledge it or not. But God is especially the Savior of those who believe. Why? Because God is not just the Savior in that sense of raining down physical blessings on us. God, for those who believe, gives the spiritual blessings of eternal life and hope set on God for eternity. And all of this is a faithful saying. That's the language of verse 9. It's actually, there's no punctuation in the Greek. And this is one time when, usually it's not hard to tell, but this is one time where we look and we're, well, you can't say if the faithful saying is verse 8 or verse 10. We can't tell. But whatever it is, uh, they've both verse 8 and verse 10 have been included in God's Word. We know that they're both from the Spirit. And probably one of the reasons why the Apostle didn't make it clear exactly which statement was the faithful saying is because the congregation would have recognized it immediately. 
Just like if I said something like, my only comfort, life and death, is that I belong in body and soul, and life and death, my faithful Savior Jesus Christ. Well, many of you know exactly where that faithful saying comes from. Now, even though it's not a word-for-word -word quote from Scripture. Well, here is one of the faithful sayings of the early church, which was incorporated into the infallible Word of God, whether it's verse 8 or verse 10. The point of that is that, again, this is a letter to Timothy, but by including the fact that one of these is a faithful saying, it brings it back to every one of us again. This isn't just something for Timothy to hear. This isn't just something for Timothy to say. This was a faithful saying of the early church. Verse 8 or verse 10, both of them relating to our spiritual training and setting our hearts and minds with godliness on our hope in the living God. So, uh, brothers and sisters, as we work towards our conclusion, uh, let us simply say this. The purpose of spiritual exercise is not to flex our spiritual muscles while we look in the mirror and think about how many passages we have memorized or something like that. No, again, it is only by the power of the Holy Spirit that we are maintained in all of this. Question and answer 128 is for God's glory. But brothers and sisters, may we be God's servants who are well equipped the spiritual training that God's Word calls us to. And may God grant us, by His Spirit, spiritual <coughs> muscles strengthened for the battle against the devil and the world and our own flesh, as those delivered from temptation. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, our Lord, you speak so, so plainly to us. May we hear your word. May we come to your word. Even in seasons of dryness, when it is hard to come to your word, may we come always before you. And may we learn to rejoice in the word give to us. This is our prayer in the name of our precious Savior, Jesus Christ.